Amen. The book of Genesis, chapter number 11. Amen. I stood over there, and I, I know I've got a word from the Lord, and I know that God wants me to preach this word because for somebody, it's the most important message they'll ever hear. And so I asked the Lord to help my mind stay focused. Amen. So I can do what he's called me to do. The book of Genesis chapter number 11, if you found it, say amen. amen. Verses 27 and 28. And then we'll also read verse 31 and verse 32. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran begat Lot. And Haran died before his father, Terah, in the land of his nativity, in Ur of the Chaldees. Verse 31, And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran his son's son. And Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran and dwelt there. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. I want to preach for a while this morning on the peril in the pause. The peril in the pause. God, I ask you to anoint me to preach, anoint ears to hear. Let there be a work of the Holy Ghost in this place, oh God. I pray that you would confirm your word, Lord. Let the power of your spirit move in this place. I thank you, God, for the great work that you've already done. I pray, God, let the seed of your word penetrate the heart. Let the preaching of your word, God, bring revelation to stir somebody and shake somebody, oh God. Have your way in this place, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. God bless you. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise as you're being seated in the presence of the Lord. Tara is a little-known character in the Bible and in history. In reality, he is barely a footnote. While his sons, his son, his grandsons, and his great-grandsons are at the core of the three primary religions of the world, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, all trace their history back to Terah's prosperity. He is the father of Abraham, the grandfather of Ishmael and Isaac, the great-grandfather of Jacob and Esau. Terah is, of course, most famous for being the father of Abraham, who is called the father of faith. Abraham was not an only child. Abraham had two brothers. The name of one was Nahor. The other was Haran. It is every parent's worst fear that we may outlive our children. It is normal and natural for sons and daughters to bury mothers and fathers the natural course of life, but there is nothing more unnatural than the sorrow of a parent burying a child. We have scattered throughout this auditorium today good people who have faced that horrific plight in life. You never get over it, I've heard it said. You get through it, and our hearts still hurt for our precious brothers and sisters who have stood at the graves of their own children. Terah in the Bible felt the bitter sting of burying his son. Genesis 11 and 28 said that Haran died before his father. 
one of the most sad phrases in the Bible. A man that buried his own son. You never get over that kind of pain. Terah buried his son and somehow tried to pick up the pieces of his life and move on. But that place would never just be another place to Terah. That time would never just be another time to him. It was a defining moment of his life. He moves forward but he doesn't really get past it. We must understand that the Bible is a book of real stories about real people. They lived and died with hopes and dreams and trials and disappointments and pain just like you and I do. But part of the power of the Bible is that it contains within its pages Real stories that relate to real life, real life issues, real life trials. The Bible is a book of real people with real trials, but it's also a spiritual book. The stories found within the leather-bound pages of this living book teach truths and principles of spiritual dimensions and times in our lives. There are events that bring great trouble, distress, trauma, difficulty, anxiety, fear, some other melancholy emotion to our mind. These emotions attach themselves at those times to our heart and they become painful attractions to us. For the rest of our lives, we're attracted back. Our minds go back to those moments of trial, difficulty, suffering, pain, tribulation, hurt, sorrow. We move on in life, but we never really move past some of those moments. Oh God, the abused child grows up, but they carry the scars on their emotions and their mind and spirit, usually for the rest of their life. The battered wife often never trusts a man again. Whenever there is great emotional distress, it attaches to the spirit of the individual and often reels that person back in years and decades later. One author called it a soul tie, that a traumatic event becomes tethered to the soul of an individual. And though the individual seems to move on that event, or series of events almost always continues to be a stumbling block to that individual. You find very often with addicts that their addiction is somehow tied to a moment or a period of distress or trouble or shame or pain. And they move on in life, but they feel tethered to that past abuse or that past hurt, that past trauma. It never goes away, always lurking somewhere below the surface of the soul. At times, it's not lurking below the surface. At times, it takes center stage and seems to reel somebody back to that pain, that moment, that event from so long ago. Tara experienced such a traumatic event in his life with the death of his son, Haran. The Bible gives no details as to what happened. It doesn't go into detail if it was by sickness or by the slaying of a sword. It tells us nothing. It could have been purposeful. It could have been accidental. But somehow, Terah has to move on. He still had Nahor and Abraham. And so he attempts to try to restart his life. Genesis 11 and 31 and Terah took Abram his son and Lot the son of Haran his son's son and Sarah's daughter-in-law with his son Abram's wife and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan if you notice it was not Abraham's idea to go to Canaan land 
We think of Abraham as being the one that originated the thought. But it was actually Abraham's father that said, we've got to leave this place and we've got to, we've got to go to Canaan land. We've got to go to the land of promise. We've got to go to the land of the blessings of the living God. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a land of destiny and hope and promise. According to the sages, this land of Canaan is the center of the entire universe. Terah decided, I've got to leave the place of my sorrow and my pain, and I've got to find a promise from God. I've got to get a fresh start. I've got to get a new life. I've got to let God recreate me. And so Terah begins his journey with his orphaned grandson, Lot, and his son, Abraham, and his wife, and Abraham's wife, Sarah. The Bible says that they went forth, they moved on, they moved forward to Canaan, a new life, a new beginning, a new start. They're going. The old song said we're camping in Canaan's happy land. Amen. That's an old song. That song was old when I was young, and I was young, and now I'm old. We're going to go get a fresh start, a new beginning. By route, by the route the historians believe that they took, it was about 1,067 miles of walking from Ur to Canaan land. Not a small task, not a small journey, but may I tell you that new beginnings are often part of a very long journey. Amen. You find yourself far from where you're supposed to be, and sometimes it's a long journey to your new beginning. Don't get frustrated that it takes time to become the person that God wants you to be. You just keep walking one step at a time. When you feel like you're not making progress, keep walking. When you feel like you're still far away, keep walking. When you feel like you're never going to get there, keep walking. When you feel like it's useless, keep walking. No matter how long, no matter how far, your new beginning takes a long walk sometimes. You have to make up your mind that you're not going to quit and you're not going to give up. I'm talking to some people right now that you thought when you first got the Holy Ghost that some of you are brand new converts and I'm excited about what God's doing. Thank God, I think it was six that got the baptism of the Holy Ghost last Sunday. Thank God, I think we baptized close to 60 people this year in Jesus' name. Over 100 last year. Thank God for new people, but let me tell you, that it might be a long walk for you to really become all that God wants you to be. Don't give up. Don't get frustrated. You got to make up your mind. I'm not going to quit. Terah began his journey to Canaan in Genesis 11 and 31. I've already read it. I've already read parts of it to you, and I'll read a little bit again. It said that he went forth with them from Ur to go into the land of Canaan. My goal is Canaan land. My goal is the promised land. My goal is the land of blessing. My goal is the land flowing with milk and honey. And I can't stop until I get to my promise. I can't stop short. I can't become satisfied somewhere along the way. On his journey to promise, he came to a place known as Haran. Many historians believe that this is the place where his son died. This is the place where he buried his son. And on his journey to his new life, it took him to the place of his greatest sorrow and his greatest pain. His journey to healing and wholeness took him right back to deal with the location of his greatest heartache. Oh, God. And they came to Haran, Genesis eleven thirty one. They came to Haran and they dwelt there. The journey to Canaan was 1,067 miles but Haran was only 641 miles into the journey. They came to Haran 
and they dwelled there. The word dwell means to sit down or to remain. This is as far as I can go. I can't move beyond my pain. I can't move beyond my greatest trial. I can't move beyond that great thing that has troubled me. I've come as far as I can go, and I don't feel like I can go any further. And so Tara pauses at Haran, and he dwells there. He sits down, and he says, I've gone as far as I can go. I've gone as far as I'm able to go. I can't go any further. Every time I think I'm ready to go on, I can't get past Haran. I can't get over the place of my hurt, the place of my sorrow, the place of my suffering. The name Terah actually means delay or to delay. His name means to pause, to stop, to delay. He came to Haran and he stopped there. The name Haran. The name Haran actually means a mountaineer. But if you look closer at the definition of the word, according to the Habarim Bible Dictionary and Strong's Hebrew Dictionary, the first word that comes up when you look at the word Haran, it means parched. Parched means to be dry. He came to a dry place and he stopped there. He came to a thirsty place and he stopped there. I don't know why he stopped in a dry place, but he went as far as he could go. Let me just tell you that wherever you stop on your journey, you better make sure you're not in a dry place when you stop. Oh, God. Hey, can I preach to you a while this morning? I've watched people make great progress in their spiritual life. I've watched people make great progress. They get in the church and they make great strides, but then they get to a certain place and it seems like they stall and they quit growing and they quit maturing and they quit moving on. They come to a dry place and they sit down and they pause and they remain. I've watched people who seemed like they were gonna do something great for God only to watch them get to their haram and stop and quit growing. They've gone so far. They've only gone so far in holiness. And they said, I'm not willing to give anything else up. I'm not willing to take anything else out of my life. And so they pause and they stop there. Amen. I've seen people that learn how to worship, but then they get to a certain point and they don't fall in love with the rest of worship. I'll go this far, but no further. I'll go this far, but no further. They get to a pause and then they stop and they sit down. They remain in that place. Tara said, I found a place where I'm just going to stop. See, folks? Oh, God. I'm preaching to some folks today that I've watched you come a long way, but now I've watched you stop and be paused in the same place for weeks, months, and sometimes years. Good people that I love, and you love me, and you love the church, and you love God, and you want to see God do great things, but for whatever reason, you haven't moved anywhere further than God in days, weeks, months, or years. I've come to tell you there is a peril in the pause. Don't settle for a dry place. Don't settle for a parched place. Don't settle for a thirsty land. You got to get in your mind. I didn't start out to stop in Iran. I started out for Canaan land. I didn't start out to be a pew warmer. I didn't start out to be half faithful and missing half the time. I didn't start out to be cold and dead and dry. I didn't start out just to be here and not do anything or get anything. I started out for Canaan and I refused to settle for a dry place. I'm preaching to some of you today. You know you ought to be doing more. Can I, can I pastor you folks? Can I pastor right now or do I have to patty cake and be an evangelist? Let me tell some of you, you know you ought to be doing more. You know you ought to be stepping up. You know you ought to be praying more. You, ought to, you know you ought to be more faithful. When you stay at home and be lazy on Wednesday night, you know good and well you're supposed to be getting up and getting ready. Amen. 
Some of you, you're going to go home this afternoon. You're going to eat. You're going to watch football. You're going to take a nap. And when 630 rolls around in your mind, you're going to know you're supposed to be here. But you'll be too carnal, too lazy. You've settled. Look, I, I realize right now I, I, my, my, my popularity rating's going further down. You think it's bad now? Just hold on. It's fitting to get a lot worse. We've got to a dry place, and we stopped there. We said, this is as far as I'm going to go. I don't want God to intrude on any more of my life. I don't want to give anything else. I've gone as far as I'm going to go. Let me tell you, wherever you stop, it better be a place where you're willing to meet God at. <laughs> Lift your hands and pray for me right now. I got to get the I got to get this burden out of my spirit. I'm trying. I'm fighting for somebody's eternity right now. I told the difference makers this morning that this may be somebody's last sermon where God deals with their heart and from now on they never feel they never feel that touch and they never hear that knock again. I asked him to help me pray this morning because I feel, I know, I told him, I said, when I write messages like this, I know what I feel and I want to, Brother Patton, I told him, I said, I, I, I write stuff that I don't want to write because I've written it before and I've seen what's happened. I've stood over caskets after saying stuff like what I've said today. I've had to go and try to find somebody that had been broken after that, after stuff like I'm preaching right now and I wanted to take it out, but God said, you've got to preach it. This isn't, this isn't just Pentecostal calisthenics. This is somebody's eternity at stake today. Pastor, I've gone as far as I'm going to go. Don't settle for Haran. God, I've gone as far as I'm, I've gone as far as I'm willing to go. In holiness. I, I've decided that I'm comfortable. I know what the I know what the church standard is. I know what the what the Bible preaches says and what the pastor preaches. But God, I've gone as far as I'm willing to go. You better be sure that your stopping place is a good place to die. Because the Bible said that Terah died at Haran. Where he paused, he died. Where he stopped is where he quit breathing. And wherever you are in your walk with God, you better make good and sure that you're in a place that you can stand before God and say, God, I've done everything that you've asked me to do. There's peril in the pause. Well, I don't think... If you ever say anything to God that says, well, I don't think, just remember God doesn't care what you think. And he doesn't care what I think. It's not what I think, it's what he thinks. Shall I wait on out a little bit more? There's a prophecy in Isaiah 47, 2 and 3 that equates showing any part of the thigh with nakedness and shame. It's the reason why we teach the standard we teach. It's not something we just cook up. There's a reason. The prophet Isaiah equated showing any part of the thigh with nakedness and shame. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit and they realized we're naked. And the Bible said they were ashamed. Genesis 3 and 7, the eyes of them both were open and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. The term apron there is very interesting. It's the Hebrew word hagorah. The word hagorah means a girdle or a belt, a loincloth. It just covered the private areas of their body. When they realized they were naked, they covered only those most private areas of the body. Left their thighs and the rest of their body exposed. To Adam and Eve, they were covered. And then God walked into the garden. And God looked at them and said, what have you done? He said, well, we ate, we hid because we were naked and ashamed. And so we made, we, we made ourselves aprons, a hagora, 
to cover our nakedness. God said, that's not covered. What you think is covered is not what I think is covered. In Genesis 3 and 21, unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats. Everybody say coats. Coats of skin and clothe them. The word coat here is the Hebrew word kutanet. It means a tunic with sleeves coming down at least to the knees and sometimes to the ankles. It's a garment that covers from here to at least here. If you're listening and on SoundCloud, you don't, but I, I went below the knee because the Bible says that above is nakedness and shame. Well, praise God. Amen. There was a time you could preach this kind of stuff and people would shout and say amen. But the problem is we got too much of this in our spirit and now we're too uncomfortable to respond to it. Because if I respond, then it requires me to change. But my brothers and sisters, I don't want to stop somewhere short. I don't want to stop somewhere short and meet God on a place that's not my promise. I appreciate how far we have gone. But don't let the enemy convince you to stop at Haran. Don't go so far and say, well, this is as far as I'm going. I'm going to pause here because wherever you sit down and delay may be the place that you spiritually die. There is peril in the pause. Genesis 11:31 said they went to Haran, the parched place, and dwelt there. They sat down and remained in Genesis 11:32. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Terah died in a dry place. Make sure that where you stop is a place you're willing to die at. Make sure that wherever you decide to pause, that's a place that you're willing to meet God at because there's peril in the pause. The pastor's job is to push you out of Haran and towards Canaan. Trust me on this. Trust me on this. You don't want a pastor who lets up and quits pushing you towards God and godliness. I know. I know you can go places where there's a lower standard. I know you can go somewhere where there's no push for more, no drive for revival, no passion for the next level. But you might be moving to Iran, so the best thing to do would be say, God, I want to do everything that you ask me to do. I want to live for you, God. I'm going to give you my everything. I'm not going to pause. I'm not. There's peril in the pause. There was once a backslidden king of Israel named Ahab. He had married a Phoenician wife, an idol worshiper named Jezebel. Jezebel had corrupted Israel with her idolatry, built altars in the groves for them to worship the pagan gods of the Phoenicians. Because Israel had sinned, God sent a famine on the land. Rather than repenting, Ahab and Jezebel got mad at the preacher for their troubles, 1 Kings 18 and 17. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he? that troubleth Israel? When people get carnal and worldly, they want to blame the preacher in the church. You're the one that's causing all the trouble. You're, you're making, you're preaching all the, you preach too hard, preacher. You require too much. You push us too much. You're always trying to get us to pray, always trying to get us to worship, always trying to get us to live holy. I am guilty as charged because I don't want a bunch of people dying in Haran. I don't want people dying in a dry place and me have to stand by them next to God and God say, and, and I got to stand and give an account. And when I stand next to some folks, I'm going to say, God, I preached it. I preached it. I told him on that Sunday morning of September of, 9th of 2021, I preached it. I tried to push I tried to push them. I tried to push them out of the dry place. They wouldn't listen, God. I prayed over the sermon. I asked people to help me pray. I poured my heart out. I risked my popularity to preach it. And God, they would not move. And 
God looks and says, depart from me, worker of iniquity. There's peril in the pause. Art thou he that troubled Israel? And Elijah's response in verse 18, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house and that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord. Elijah said, don't blame me. You're the ones that moved away from God. The commandments didn't change. The commandments didn't move. The commandments didn't change. You moved from the commandments. The commandments didn't move from you. He told the king to get the queen and the false preachers and the prophets of Baal and the children of Israel and took him to Mount Carmel. When they got there, here's what Elijah said, 1 Kings 18, 21, and Elijah came unto all the people and said, how long halt ye between two opinions? The word halt means to hesitate or to pause. How long are you going to be paused between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. You're paused. And he, he says there's peril in the pause. you got to make up your mind. Do you want to be saved or do you not want to be saved? You want to be holy or do you not want to be holy? You want to make it to heaven? Do you not want to make it to heaven? There's peril in the pause. How long? Halt ye. It's time to make a decision, he said. If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal's God, follow him. And the saddest part of it all, the people answered him not a word. They waited for the sermon to be over so they could go watch the football game. They waited for the sermon to be over so they could go fishing at the lake. They waited for the sermon to be over so they could go hang out with their friends. They answered him, not a word. I hear you, preacher, but I'm not going to do anything about it. They asked Jesus, what, where and to shall I liken this generation? He said, it's, it's like children sitting in the marketplace. They call unto their fellows. He said, and they said, I have piped unto you. I played a happy song and you wouldn't dance. And so I mourned. I played a slow, sad song and you wouldn't weep. He said, you wouldn't respond to anything that I did. And Jesus, and, and, and Jesus said, that's what this generation is like. Sing a Happy song, some folks won't shout. So you sing a slow song and the same folks won't weep. They answered, not a word. But people, your answer, your silence was your answer. Your silence was the answer. I hear it. I don't care enough to do anything about it. I know I ought to, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to stay where I am. There is peril in the pause. Everyone is faced with an eternal choice. No one can make it for you. I like what Brother Adam said last Sunday night. He said, the man said, well, my wife won't, won't come and live for God. He said, baby, he said, don't worry about, he said, don't worry about what your wife says. You got to live for God. Well, my, my kids won't come. Well, don't worry about your kids. Well, my, 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 my boyfriend doesn't want to be Pentecostal. Then you don't need him anyway. My God. Well, my girlfriend, my girlfriend doesn't, the girlfriend doesn't like it when I worship. Well, that's not a girlfriend. That's not a friend. In Joshua 24 and 2, I did not give this scripture to them in the back so they don't have to put it up there, but in Joshua 24 and 2, Joshua reminds Israel about Terah. 
he reminds him about Terah. He said, you remember Terah? He was, you know, the, the father of Abraham, served idols, served other gods. And he's on the subject, he brings up Terah. It's one of the only other places in the Bible where Terah is ever mentioned outside of Genesis 11. And Joshua is mentioning him. And then he goes on in that same passage of scripture in verse number 15. He says, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. He said, you got to make a decision. You can go back to the old life. You can live like the people that are around you in this life, in this world. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're not going to make the same mistake that Tara made. We're not only going to go so far and then stop. I'm not only going to go this far and decide I've gone far enough. We're not, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Come on, moms and dads. Come on, young folks. Come on, elders. This is no place to stop. This is no place for a pause. Stand with me, if you will. Isaiah 55 and 6. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. The most miserable people in the world are people who are living on pause. Backsliders make bad sinners because they know too much to enjoy their sin. And they make bad Christians because they're too carnal to be a good Christian, halted between two opinions, paused, paused. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Three categories of people, three categories of people. If the righteous scarcely be saved, it's one category. The ones who are living for God with everything they've got. They're giving God their all. And then we know the sinner. The sinner is, is a sinner. The sinner's going to be lost. But there's a third category in the middle of that verse the category between the righteous and the sinner. It's the category on pause. The ungodly. They know God, but they're not liking Him. They know His Word, but they won't live it. We know what happens to the sinner. We know what happens to the righteous. But my friends, according to the Bible, the ungodly get the same punishment as the sinner. There is a peril in the pause. Why don't you lift your hands all over this place this morning? turn this sanctuary into a prayer room all over this place? Can we be praying? So, well, Pastor, why, why do you have to get so, so bold and direct? Because I'm trying to shake somebody out of the pause. Pastor, why, why do you get so hard about it? 
because there's peril in being paused, my brothers and sisters. The Bible said, lay aside every weight and the sin. Some of you have put weights on yourself. The Bible didn't say you pick and choose which weights to lay down. It said lay down every weight. Well, I don't think that's really that big a deal, Pastor. Lay aside every weight. I don't really know if it takes all that lay aside every weight. I don't know, Pastor, if that's really what I want to do. Lay aside every weight. And this, is it a heaven or hell issue? The Bible didn't say lay aside every heaven and hell issue. It says lay aside every weight and sin. A weight doesn't have to be a sin to slow you down and stop you. Anything that you would rather have in your life that would keep you from being able to be involved in the work of God is a weight. Well, I'd be in the choir, but I have to give this up. That's a weight. You better lay it down. There's a peril in the pause. Can we pray all over this place? I think my alarm just went off. Can we pray? Can we turn this sanctuary into a prayer room right now? I need some people that are willing to wrestle for someone's soul. I need intercessors that are willing right now to wrestle for somebody on pause. I need somebody that will let your prayers reach out and grab somebody right now. Oh God, get them off pause. God, get them off pause in their life, God. Wherever it may be, God, wherever it may be along the way, I don't want to die in the place where I pause. Oh, I plead the blood of Jesus over this building right now. I plead the blood of Jesus over everyone watching or listening online. I ask you, Lord Jesus, that the power of the Holy Ghost Stir the soul today, God. God, I got to get the pauses out of my life. Oh, thank God. Go ahead, sing it, brother. Oh, God, come on, let's pray. There's some good folks. There's a good man's hell. There's going to be some good people in hell. I hate it, but it's going to happen going to be people that thought that the Paul's place was good enough. But where shall the sinner and the ungodly appear? God, in the name of Jesus, let the Holy Ghost move in this place. God, you know I've asked you to send the angel of the Lord into this place. I pray, God, send the angel of the Lord in this house, the ministering spirit of your grace. I ask you, God, to let the mercy and grace of your great word touch somebody's soul today. Oh, God, I pray, let the penetrating power of your word get to the heart of the matter today. Whatever it takes, I must be saved, God. Whatever I got to lay down, whatever my family has to do, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I've got to be saved. Got to be right. I got to be ready. Come on, are you paused? Be honest with yourself. Are you paused? If you're paused, why don't you just talk to God about it right now? Say, God, help me to move closer. Help me, God, to not quit. Help me not to stay where I am. Come on, can you help me pray? If you're on pause, just be honest with yourself and talk to God about it. There's mercy and grace. Oh, yeah, that's right. Come on, lift your voice and call out to him. God, I need you. 
God, I don't want to be tethered to those traumatic experiences that always seem to get me back.
powerful word of the Lord we heard this morning from our pastor. Can we give our pastor a hand this morning? It's not an easy message to preach. Thank God for a pastor that will preach to our soul. Amen.